Giants 19, Panthers 16. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we are 2-0 undefeated. And I don't know about you, Justin, but 2-0 feels a lot better than 1-0. It really does. Because after one game, you could say, yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a, you know, a lot of teams win their week one game. You know, and the Tanther, the the Titans missed a field goal at the end. But this, I don't know why, but I'm just so much more excited about 2-0. Like, all my hopes and dreams are coming true. I'm excited <laughs> to break it down. We're going to do a rare start with the defense on a post-game podcast. Because, I mean, Wink Martindale balled out. Justin, how are you feeling? You were at the stadium. Mm. I know it feels good to be uh, another victory Monday. Wink Martindale, masterclass. 2-0 does feel a lot different than 1-0. You're right, Bobby Skinner, especially because you win the home opener. Um, if you are seeing me on YouTube, you are seeing my raccoon sunglasses tan. You know we're back at MetLife when we got some September sunglasses raccoon tans, Bobby Skinner. So I'm fantastic. Uh, vibes at the stadium were immaculate. We're going to talk about that towards the end. But here's kind of like my little opening spiel that I want to start off with. We are going to start with the defense. But heading into this year, one of the main things that we were excited about was not really like the talent on the team, but how the coaching can elevate the players. You know, yep. we called Mike Kafka, I think, like the most important offseason acquisition because we're just excited about the coaching element that can be brought to this team this year. Head coach being included, Brian Dable. So week one, Brian Dable going for two last week. And today, Wink Martindale's game plan and approach halted the Panthers offense despite a struggling offense. And, and the defense made plays when they absolutely had to. They did this all without Kayvon Thibodeau number five pick in the draft, Aziz Ojolari, the franchise rookie sack holder last year, number two starting cornerback Aaron Robinson, and Leonard Williams for the better part of the last quarter. This is what we signed up for, Bobby. This is what we signed up for when we entered this rebuild, right? I think winning in the NFL, it starts with coaching, and through two games, the staff is fulfilling their end of the bargain. And I think sometimes people overthink it. Like, that's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. Yes. That's a what Baker have I, Mayfield What have I been quote. saying over and over again? That's a Baker Mayfield quote. Oh, Suck it, Baker sorry. Mayfield, you gigantic <laughs> loser. You go hang out with the other loser, Ben McAdoo. Um, no, but seriously, I mean, Wink Martindale gets the game ball for this game. Like, he showed up. You know, we had questions of Wink Martindale. What is he going to look like coming away from, you know, he's only had success in Baltimore. You know, the secondary is thin. And he really showed up and showed out. And we're going to, there's a lot of different ways he did it. And I'm excited to break them all down. Um, but the, the the main stat, if you want to look at, is one, 
18 points per game over the first two games of the uh, games of the year. But last week, the Titans were two for 10 on third down. That was six best in the NFL for week one. I can't wait for all the stats to be adjusted uh, for the league after week two because they were better. They went two for 12, the uh, the Panthers did on third yep. down today. So over two games, they are teams are 18% on converting third downs versus the New York Giants. There's only been one fourth down conversion that time. That third down is the money down, and that's when Wink has made his money. And here's the thing, Bobby. Here's the most mind-boggling thing about that. Giants were 6-for-18 on third down today. They continued to face a shit ton of, like, third and longs. The Titans and the Panthers combined are an 0-for-3 on third and once. There have been teams that have gotten to third and manageable third and short situations against the Giants. But when teams are getting the third down, Wink Martindale, whether it's pressure that's being brought, Wink Martindale, secondary, whether it's pressure that's being brought, the players, Wink Martindale, they've shut everything down, and it's been so fun to see. Where really the key in the NFL is to avoid third down, which some you know some teams have done that you know the first two weeks, but also getting into third and shorts. That's how you win in the NFL. NFL offenses have done that against Giants first two weeks. Giants defense is still shutting it down. And again, when it, when are your pass rushers the most important? third down and yes. they've been missing Kayvon and Aziz and all of this so it's been extremely impressive he threw a lot of different looks I want to get into them first last week I asked people to share the podcast with their friends I really don't like asking our listeners to do uh, things and I've I only asked this maybe five times a year leave a five-star rating in review and if you've left one before leave another one I want us to be top of the football charts tomorrow mm. I want us so after the Saints game we we hit top 10 that was our goal after the draft, we hit seventh. I want us to hit second. It's time no. to hit that goal. Now, number one is part of my take. There, they get millions of downloads, so we'll never, pa- you know, we'll never surpass them uh, for number one in the football charts. But I want to be number two in the football charts. That's a very doable goal. So do it. Uh, you know, we we put a lot of work in this. We're having fun. So let's take advantage of this moment, Giants fans, and let's let's be successful together. Let's not have the Giants be undefeated. Let's have talking Giants be undefeated. Two and zero. Oh. For number two on the charts. And if you don't do it, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Something bad's going to happen to your family if you don't do it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Something bad may happen to your family. And the next time something bad happens to your family, you're going to think, I didn't leave a review for Talking Mm. Giants. Now, Mm. listen, do bad things happen to every family all the time? Yes. But this is going to be the reason why. So just stop whatever you're doing and leaving a, f- a five-star rating review. It's the simplest thing you could do. And if you've left one before, leave one again. All right, let's get into this. Something um, bad happened to Baker Mayfield. Can can we go right to the third down, basically, game-clinching sack that Julian Love had his first sack in his NFL career? Can we go right towards that, and then we'll break down some individual players? I think this play won the game. And, Bobby, you talk about all the time, sacks are drive killers, and this sack this pr- sack in particular was a game killer for the Panthers. So I looked at the dots, the next-gen dots, which is the best way to kind of get like a little bit of an eye-in-the-sky kind of perspective on game day before the game film comes out. So I looked at the game-winning sack that Julian Love had, Here were three out of the five pass rushers that came. Tony Jefferson, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love. Tony Jefferson and Julian Love were coming on the left side of the offensive line. And then I think you had Dexter Lawrence and Timon Fox were the other two pass rushers. You had Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez dropping back in coverage. Those were 
that little front seven alignment that was coming on that Julian Love sack. And he eventually gets in and gets that sack in like 3.5 seconds, which is pretty darn quick to get a sack in the NFL. So that was my perspective of it. That's who came. Tell me more about the play. Yeah, that was exactly what it was. It's, you have simulated pressure. You give a cover zero look. Like you're, you line up everybody in the line of scrimmage. And again, I want to talk about the safeties in particular in this because the safeties were the MVP of the defense. The way Wink Martindale used them and then the way those guys performed. But you just give the illusion of like, hey, you got to block everybody. We might send everybody on this, so which means you got to keep guys in. So you pop guys out. Who would you expect to pop out? Probably your safeties, right? Nope. All three of the safeties come. <laughs> Just all through the safeties on the line of scrimmage. Don't forget yeah, yeah. Dane, Dane Belton. Belton was deep. Yeah, Dane Belton on the backfield. And you drop back O'Shane Zimenez, who is kind of like a pass rush only guy. He didn't, couldn't even play in the last game because uh, you know part of it was he doesn't drop back in the coverage. And Jahad Ward, who's very slow. Good run defender, but very slow. You had him take care of the middle line, like the middle linebacker role. And then you had O'Shane Zimenez drop into the curl hook area. And by time, and they left the middle of the field open deep. By the way, they did. But yeah. by time they Baker Mayfield could have got to that or decided to throw to Ian Thomas on that, pressure's already there. And Julian Love also made a good like a good pass rush move on that to go outside in on mm-hmm. it and get the sack. And that sack's not only just like oh it ended the drive. That was third and two, third and three, I that believe. W- won the game. They would have went for it on fourth down if it just ended, ended up being an incomplete pass. Yes, like that that play won the game. And again, Wink Martindale, we talked about coming into this game because you're facing Chris McCaffrey, this uh, this uh, receiving uh, running back. And Austin Calitro didn't play well last week. We're like, let's run a lot of three safety sets. Well, not only did we run a lot of three safety sets. In fact, I'm excited. I'm interested to chart how many it was because there might have been a three, three safeties on the field like 70% of the time. But they ran four safety sets, especially in the second half. You know, and Dane Belton... Uh, you know, he recovered that fumble on the opening kickoff, but he almost had an interception. Like, he was playing well, and it allowed yeah. Julian Love and Xavier McKinn to come down and play in the box. And Julian Love was, like, interior linebacker number two. Like, forget, like, Bobby, I don't know the whole, you know, money. I don't know if you would even call him a money backer. Julian Love was, like, interior linebacker two for the majority of the day, and then, therefore, that also allowed Xavier McKinney to play a very interesting and effective and useful role today, too. So why don't you talk about that? Yes. Be- Sorry, say it again. That last Xavier part. Xavier McKinney because Julian Love was like playing in the box. He was like interior linebacker too, and then yeah, Dane Belton deep. Dane Belton was playing deep like he was playing a lot when we were in training camp. Like that's this was basically the alignment that we were seeing. So what was Xavier McKinney Xavier McKinney doing against uh, Christian McCaffrey? Well, first, you know, we talked with film study Ravens and Ken Cusick, and he's going to be like, like when Wink Martindale, you know, a lot of coaches preach, oh, we're multiple, we do different things. Wink Martindale truly does do that on a week-to-week uh, basis. You know, and film study Ravens, Ken Cusick told us when we hired Wink Martindale that, like, hey, there's going to be times where he's just not playing linebackers. Like, they're, they'll, you know, they're, they're going to play, but they're not getting a lot of reps, and they're going to run three and four safety sets. You know, there'll be times when they run, you know, more, more than they'll run four outside linebackers on yep. a play. But we talked about going into the game, and that's this is what Wink Martindale did, is Xavier McKinney was on Christian McCaffrey duty all game long. That was his role. Stop Christian McCaffrey in the receiving game and held him to four catches for 26 yards. He had two batted passes. I mean, Christian McCaffrey couldn't, like, and one of those catches was versus Tony Jefferson when he, uh, when Chris McCaffrey flared out to the other side that Xavier McKinney was lined up on, you know. So it allowed, it allowed him to be, a, allowed us to have a good, 
uh, coverage safety covering Christian McCaffrey. That's one thing it did. But also by playing those guys in the box, well, the Panthers want to protect, right? So it forced them to keep Christian McCaffrey into block on a lot of plays. And that's not what the Panthers want to do. But if you put all those guys up on your front, well, you can talk about how, well, hey, we just get him out and we'll throw hot. But you you want to run your offense, okay? You want to run, you know, get the ball to your wide receivers. So it forced Chris McCaffrey to stay in. And on those plays, Xavier McKinney had some uh, authentic blitzes. But a lot of times it was just, hey, he's in man coverage. McCaffrey stay in the block, go. And on yep. those plays, he had two batted passes, which I noticed before this game was a talking point among Andre Patterson, the D-line coach. Mm. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence brought it up. Like, hey, Baker Mayfield had five passes bad in last week. Let's get our hands up. Let's and get right those, away, their hands like, up. I think there were two within the first couple drives that the, that the yeah, Giants had Yeah, there was two passes. by Xavier McKinney. I think there was one. Jahan um, Ward maybe two, I think, had one. Maybe. I, I know there was one other. I can't remember exactly who got it. So Dexter. You know, maybe Dexter or Leo. One of them had him. Um, so you allowed Xavier McKinney to do that. And I don't think, and again, we, next week, will Xavier McKinney's role be that? Probably no. They're going to do different things. So, But that's just, why this defense is also, it seems to be, you know, we're saying that this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome. You know, we haven't really played an offense that I think is lighting it on fire yet. Um, you know, Julian and I, Ju, producer I, Julian and I, we were talking before the show. Um, we were, you know, we're saying that these aren't bad quarterbacks necessarily, but they're like the best of the bad quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield and Ryan Tannehill. So, wait and see but we're expecting to beat these pseudo bad teams we were expected to be competing with the titans we were expected to win against the panthers so i will take all of this and wink martindale is going to change week to week which is awesome he's going to adjust like this coaching staff has talked about offensively and defensively that they want to adjust based on the matchup that's present i feel like a lot of coaches actually talk about that and don't actually do it i think this coaching staff is doing it well and here's why, you know, you mentioned, well, they haven't played a great QB yet. But that doesn't matter because guess what? Look at the personnel on this defense. And then look at that personnel it's with, true. with, yeah. Osh- with uh, sorry, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari off changes. the field. So we talked about it coming into this year because we, you know, we weren't expecting to come go 2-0. But we came into this year and we're like, well, with Wink Martindale, I'm going to judge him on how he does versus de- these type of QBs. Like, if, if Week 5 in London, Andrew uh, Aaron Rodgers lights us up, will I be happy? No. But I'm not going to be like, oh, Wink Martindale didn't. It's like, no, they just have better personnel and, and an elite QB on the other side, and we just don't have that personnel. So, like, that doesn't even matter to me. Yeah, will, will it be frustrating in the moment? Yes, but long term, like, it's showing, like, hey, Wink Martindale is the real deal, and you yeah. get his personnel in here, and you're going to see number one ranked defenses like we saw in Baltimore. Before we talk about some individual players on the defensive side of the ball, can I talk about one thing that I want you to look for when you do your film review, and then one thing that I saw from my seats? Can I tell you? Can I tell you about that? Go for it. So I saw that Wink was bringing some blitzes, you know, periodically throughout the game. So let's just say you're bringing a blitz from the left side of the offensive line. You're bringing in Darnay Holmes. You're bringing in Xavier McKinney. You're bringing in somebody, right? Um, which, by the way, I predicted over the summer that the secondary was going to have more sacks than the, than the interior linebacker room that's looking pretty good right now. Xavier McKinney missed a sack today. I was really mad. Um, really wanted him to get his first career sack. Anyway, if you're bringing pressure from the left side of the offensive line, what I saw Wink Martindale doing is already planning for Baker Mayfield is going to break containment and go to his right. Because if you have an unblocked pass rusher, which that's what Wink Martindale is really, really good at doing from Baltimore is, you know, leading the league in untouched, unblocked sacks and untouched and unblocked pressures. So he was already planning for Baker Mayfield breaking containment and moving to his right. 
So O'Shane Zimenez, I don't think he was asked to rush the passer. I think he was asked to drop back and stay on the opposite side of the field. So that would be the right side of the field if the defense is coming from the left side of the field. Wait for Baker Mayfield to start running, improvising, running outside the pocket, and then chase after him. How many times do you see in the NFL, Bobby, where teams send a really good blitz and it works and it gets through, but they don't get the quarterback down, and then the quarterback runs for a 10, 15, 20-yard gain? Wink Martindale, it seemed to be from where I was sitting, was planning for that, so then O'Shane Zimenez is chasing him. Baker Mayfield has a choice to make O'Shane miss, to throw it away, take a sack, or make an insane throw on the run. Those are the choices that he has. So I love that that was something that was planned, that Baker Mayfield has to make that kind of choice where O'Shane, it's designed where he's chasing him. Yeah, they it's they were funneling him. They're like, hey, this is where we want... Listen, we either want to get a sack here or funnel you to this area. And that's what they did. And, you know, Oshane Zimmon has had the sack today. Um, Leonard Williams made the sack, but Oshane Zimmon has had a good second effort versus Kim Aquanu and got it down. First sack since rookie year. So, you know, good on Oshane Zimenez. But I thought Oshane Zimenez's best plays were not like just in – like I didn't think he had – like. And, and again, this is who Oshane Zimmon is. Like Oshane Zimenez wasn't just like winning pass rush moves. A lot of his plays were, you know, that screen play where it's like – See it, realize, make the tackle. You know, he had yep. a QB hit where he was in coverage, come up, came up and played and got the QB hit on Baker Mayfield on a third down. Like, O'Shane Zimenez wasn't just like, hey, let's go right, let's go beat this tackle and win win my pass rush move. Like, no, they were using him. Um, like you said, they were funneling things towards him, and then he was allowed to come up and make some plays doing that. Yeah, he had a really good game. And I thought, and I thought he had a good game week one, too, against Tennessee, where he played the run a little bit better than what we were expecting too. So Shane Simmons having a solid year. Uh, you know, I think for a number four edge rusher, you know, we went from having, you know, saying that O'Shane Simmons shouldn't be on the team to, you know, now maybe looking at him as the number four edge rusher saying that, you know, if they, they viewed him as a fit in this, in this system, right? Well, they're making him fit and good on, and good on this coaching staff for doing so. I want to talk about some other things too, with the defense. But first, I want to talk to you about SeatGeek. Today's off episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off, off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. How about that? That's a great code. Mm. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. Did you use it to go to the game today, Justin? No, I mean, I have regular season tickets, but I was actually at my tailgate. And one of my buddies, Nelson, from St. Peter's Prep, he graduated a, he graduated a year before me. He turned to me. He's like, "You have a code. You have a code for something, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you're talking about SeatGeek because you want to buy tickets." So he said, "Use promo code Giants for twenty dollars off your first purchase." And then he's like, "Thank you. I'm going to do that." Whether it's concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or football or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to ten to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. You'll be glad you did. All right. um, Leonard Williams went out with a knee injury. He told reporters afterwards it won't be too bad. But he was playing really well. He was playing really well. Dexter Lawrence played well. Um, and it was good to see Leonard Williams do that uh, coming off of a week where I thought he underperformed uh, what his expectation is. Um, 
but they like they're really getting pressure with the interior uh, rushers. Yeah, and the thing about Leonard Williams, and I don't love him when he's asked to do this, but because they don't have edge rushers that they can really trust right now, Leonard Williams has been asked to be like a hand in the dirt defensive end, like Justin Tuck, that kind of role. And I, I don't like Leonard Williams rushing the passer on third down when he's going up against the left tackle. I just, I don't think he has this has the speed. You know, you're not you're not betting on Leonard Williams beating his guy around the corner. You're just betting on him. Bull rushing, so I kind of. Yeah, he's if, not good in that role. They play yeah. him in that role. Oh my god, I'm in a coughing fit right now. Oh my god, Bobby is coughing, sneezing. It wouldn't be a really good episode if Bobby's not coughing, sneezing. Julian did not drink, edit any of this out. Drink, drink. I was drinking some water, but and also that helps play the run from a lighter box. Is you have Leonard Williams at the edge, and then two other defensive tackles on the inside, and then Jihad Ward on the other side. Mm-hmm. So he played really well. Cordell Flott got the start. I was right. You were wrong. Was I, though? <laughs> we were both right. <laughs> so, Flott got the start. In the first half, they just didn't target him. You know, Good. and it, it's hard to see with the, without the All-22 exactly what's happening. But they didn't target him. And then they came out in the second half. Well, well you're missing a key component here. Cordell Flott was covering DJ Moore. Yeah, like they, they put, we were they talking put, about how Adore Jackson should be following DJ Moore, and that was not the case. And I have a theory on why they did that. Adore Jackson followed Robbie Anderson. They put Cordell Flott on DJ Moore, um, and they came out of the half and then scored that touchdown. They targeted Flott a few times on that drive, and they immediately switched to Fabian Moreau, which I think is good in-game coaching to be like, "Hey, they they found a mismatch, and they're going to go after it," you know, and. and no matter what your expectations are for Cordell Flotta's rookie year, a DJ Moore would be a tough, is a tough matchup for him, especially in his first game. So they they made the switch to Moreau, and, and DJ Moore was pretty quiet after that. Uh, I don't even know if he had a catch after that. He was quiet um, throughout the entire game, besides that touchdown. Yeah, so. Shy Smith, by the way, helped us out with a couple of drops he had that were pretty bad. You know, their slot wide receiver out of South Carolina. Yeah, and then Baker missed him on a play where he could have he could have. It could have been a big play. Yeah, there was a lot of favors that Carolina did, but I'm but that's not part of apologizing. The, that's part of pre- that's part of pressure, though. That's part of pl- knowing your opponent in Baker Mayfield and putting the pressure on him. Yep. Um, how many times? How many times has that been us? You know. And so they put a Dory Jackson on Robbie Anderson, and my theory on this is that really their only offense came last week from a Robbie Anderson deep ball, and they were. I think they were just living by like, hey, we don't. We don't want to have to totally bracket one side, um, you know, over the top because we're going to want to put these safeties down in the box, and but we can we can trust Adore Jackson to stop the deep ball, and he does. That's what he does. You know, Robbie Anderson had three catches for thirty-two yards. His long of nineteen, that wasn't on Adore Jackson because it was cover three, and he went on a crosser, which means that's not Adore Jackson's responsibility anymore. So shut him down. I mean, Adore Jackson, Adore Jackson has been giving up. Over the last ten games, like one and a half catches per game, and awesome. ten and ten yards per game, and that's gonna, that's going to be ten game. You know, went from nine games to ten games now. So he's you know he's to me he was the most outstanding player on the Giants defense last year, and that's continuing to to stand true. Yeah, absolutely. And him taking over that CB one role, um, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. You know, well there there's some scary wide receivers that are in the NFC East, and you know he'll be going up against CD Lamb. Next week, who isn't off to the most awesome start? 
this year, but that'll be a that'll be a big test. And CD Lamb kind of got the best of us last year at times. I can't believe the Cowboys won, but anyways, um, anything else on the Giants' defense before we move to the offense? I thought I think you might have mentioned it, but Dexter Lawrence I thought had a really really good game. There's one particular moment where that's pass rusher in week one. I think it was a third down, second down, the, an important play early in the game where he like chased Baker Mayfield yeah, and it was kept a third up down. with him. You know, and it forced him out of bounds. It was awesome stuff, awesome effort. Um, so Dexter Lawrence, who else did I really think had a good game? We basically um, mentioned everybody. Yeah, at I think this we kind of hit on everybody. So. Dar- Darnay <clears throat> continues to be suspect in man coverage. Wasn't as bad as last week, which was... Wasn't as but, bad, but he gets again, the flag. Again, Shai Smith drops, helps him out a little bit. And gets a flag in inopportune times later in the game. So I, I think that's just going to be a thing as the... That was a bogus call, though, actually. That was great coverage. I, was, I Okay, good. I watched the awesome. slow... Even in the slow-mo... Re- you know how like everything could look like pass interference in slow-mo replay? Mm-hmm. Even in slow-mo replay, that was a bogus call. So so I don't want... So I'm... I'm I'm letting Darnay off the hook on, off for that. Let Darnay off the hook. All right, Bobby, before we talk about the offense, can we talk about Bear Burger? Yeah, real, let's do it. Let's talk about Bear Burger. Bear Burger, they're back, baby. You miss Bear Burger? Well, guess what? They are back. Can we get some Bear Burgers in the chat? They're a burger joint. They're not the type to be bogged down by the labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone, regardless of dietary preferences. There's only one, there's only one restriction you'll be limited to. And guess what? That's food that is made to taste Great. You can create your own favorite burger. This is big. Didn't know there was this feature. They take burgers very seriously at Bear Burger, but the menu is filled with options for all. Build your own creation and let us know John Boy sent you. Let us know Talking Giants sent you and then tweet it at Bear Burger for a chance to win a Bear Burger gift card. DG, you know, the Honestly Dave Gunnelman uh, account, you know, the former general manager of the Giants, he tweeted out, that he was at Bear Burger. I wonder if he won that Bear Burger gift card. So what I want you to do, I want you to click the link in the description to find yourself at the best happy hour spot, tastiest burger joint, and overall great spot, order.bearburger.com. Bear Burger all over. Tri-state area, New York, New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. On the opposite side of all that great defensive stuff, and uh, like the defense won the game, is that the offense didn't play well. But I do want to start with the positive with Saquon Barkley. Um, you look at his final numbers, and you're like, oh, you know, 70, 72 rushing yards, three point four yards per carry. All came in the second half. You know, oh, that that's that's not anything special. <clears throat> But in the second half, he had 65 rushing yards on 14 carries. And they stayed true, you know, kind of like last week. They didn't have the big plays that popped off. But Saquon Barkley was good in the second half. And he faced a stacked box all game long. Like, they stacked the box. The Panthers did not want uh, Saquon Barkley beating them uh, the way the Titans got beat. According to Next Gen, um, Titans stacked the box 5% of Saquon Barkley's carries. I think Saquon ran a lot more out of the shotgun week one versus week two. I'll chart those attempts. But week two... Next Gen had Saquon on the hook for running into an eight-plus man box 25% of the time. That's quite a difference. So the Panthers, even it then, was clear. Those... Yeah, it was clear that the Panthers weren't going to let Saquon do the things that Tennessee let him do. And even then, I, I don't really, like, you can have a seven-man box, but if you have six blockers, it's a stacked box. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, he was facing a stacked box all game. And then, 
you know, he played tough throughout the entire game. Like, they, it was not easy yards. There were no easy yards for Saquon Barkley. He hit the hole hard. There were plays that should have been negative plays, and he turned them into positive plays, whether it was one, two yards, or there was, you know, some that he turned into four or five yards in first down conversions. In that last drive, um, where they kicked the game-winning field goal, he had 28 of the 37 yards yeah. on that drive. And how like many times have we said in the past? And the other, the, other, the other plays essentially had, there was one completion of the Shep. All the other plays were like negative. Like you had a, a negative four-yard run by Matt Breida. Uh, you had a holding uh, a penalty on the third down that put him uh, deep. And then, you know, they got like five yards back on the next pass. Yeah. But like, they, like the, other, the rest of the offense was trying to hold Saquon Barkley back, and he was still performing. And I got PTSD because how many times, like, th- think back to that Washington Thursday night game last year. We just needed one fucking first down. One first down. So my thought is, as soon as that sack happens, Julian Love gets that sack, we get the ball back. One first down. One first down basically wins the game. Saquon Barkley, Giants offensive line, Giants run blocking, got that first down, did what they needed to do, won the game. Yeah, and then Daniel Jones had that run at the end. So and we'll, we'll Daniel talk, Jones run at the end, too. Yes. We'll talk about Daniel Jones in a second. But I just, you know, Saquon Barkley's not going to win NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He's not going to get snubbed for the FedEx. Maybe he will be the Fe, you know on the FedEx ground player of the game uh, this week since they don't know what they're looking at. But it, it was a good performance. Like, if you think about where we were last year and then you, you think uh, us. You know, a seventy. What it was it? Seventy two rush. Seventy two rushing yards. Ninety total yards is a bad game. Is is like off the standard. That's a a good place to be with Saquon Barkley. So I, I I was very happy with his performance this game, even though the box score doesn't necessarily like say like oh Saquon Barkley had a good game. And again, the the second half was a different story. Like the Giants are like, you know what? We're gonna run the ball no matter what. Like we're not gonna. You know, they had the lead, so that helped. But like we're gonna stay committed to the run and and. Again, 65 rushing yards on 4.6 yards per carry the second half. Yeah, I don't think – I honestly – Bobby, I I honestly don't think it was a preference of they wanted to run the ball. I honestly think it was just they just can't throw the ball. They can't. I think they want to. That's why they wanted to run the ball is because they couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, but I think there's a difference in mentality there saying that the Giants want to run the ball versus that they can't throw the ball. And that's where we go next. Well, yeah. So, you know, we talk about, like, was the Panthers offense bad? Every, does everybody that's listening, everyone, I want everyone that's listening to give me a verbal answer. Was the Panthers' offense bad? Julian. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone agrees, yes. The Panthers' off, offense averaged 5.1 yards per play. The Giants' offense averaged 3.8 yards per play. Ooh. The, off, the Giants, the, the defense won this game, and then Daniel Jones was a big part of of the offense, the main part essentially of the Daniel Jones and the interior offensive line were the main part of the Giants' offense not being good. Daniel Jones' stats were 22 of 34, 176 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 5.1 yards per attempt. And to have 5.1 yards per attempt on a game where you didn't like only complete 50% of your passes, that's a bad, bad number. Like the touchdown drive was great. You know, you went four for six for like 60 yards, I believe, 64 yards. Daniel Jones left points on the board multiple times. Yes. Multiple times. And again, two things can be the same, uh, uh, be true at the same time. The interior offensive line was bad, and the, they were the blame on, on a lot of plays. But there were plays where Daniel Jones left points on the board. The second drive of the game, third and goal, he had Shep. He had Shep. He ends up taking a sack, but he should have he should have pulled the trigger on that and taken it. There was a Kadarius Tony play. Crossing route crossing route wide open you gotta pull the trigger on that especially to one of your best weapons at Kadarius Tony 
pull pull the trigger on takes a sec and then there was a few other plays that weren't as like as big where he just didn't pull the trigger i don't know what it is man because we've watched this guy i've watched this guy every snap three times over the last three years and now two games and i've never seen him look this uncomfortable behind an offensive line and he's played behind bad bad offensive lines i've never seen him look this uncomfortable before yeah, Sterling Shepard said something that I actually thought was quite interesting in his post-game press conference, too, where he talked about being in the right spot, not just post-snap, but pre-snap. Like, uh, and I didn't, I, you know, maybe I'm not fully understanding what it means. That or what third and goal, they were lining up, at the, like they were switching spots, and they were definitely missing. When Brian Dable yelled at them, that's what he was yelling them about. Okay. Was they weren't lining, they like had the, they had the rush because they couldn't, they were all lining up wrong. All right, that's good to know. That's good to know. Two games in a row where Brian Dable's ripping <laughs> ripping players a new asshole. Kind of love it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he was talking about that at the end of the game. Uh, part of me, Bobby, is it is it foolish? And just because the Giants are 2-0, I'm saying this. But because the Giants are 2-0, I think they've afforded the right for me to say this. I think the offense is going to inevitably get better. I think Jones is inevitably going to get better. And I'm not fully concerned about it. The thing that I am concerned about is the fact that we're rolling out at times Richie James. There was a drive this game where Richie James, Darius Slayton, and David Sills are the three wide receivers that are on the field. Well, here's what I'll say is we're 2-0. So if the offense starts playing better, no one's going to remember how, oh, they didn't play well in some wins earlier in the year. You know, so if if, if they turn it around. But... If from a Daniel Jones point of view, like if you're Daniel Jones's father, that's where you would be concerned because he hasn't played well these first two games, and and for him, it's about it's not about just winning as many. It, this isn't year one. This isn't year two. It's about him earning the right to be on the team next year. Now, yeah. if they and again, this QB class is not looking as fun as it did in the off season, you know. So I'm not saying like, oh, the Giants are 100 drafting a QB in the first round. Like, there's nothing wrong with waiting a year. You know, if you want to remember, you know, go back to. You know, Justin Herbert. Giants would have been smart to wait a year. Um, but, again, for for a, a guy whose uh, fifth-year option got declined, he's got to play better than this. You know, and the defense won this game. The offense, the running game was the best part of the offense in week one. Uh, you know, he hasn't. But he, and, and then he also had, like, the end of the half. He had a dropped interception that could have ended up being oh, six points. Bad. I hate whenever I hate when every time something doesn't work, people are like that would have been a touchdown one way or the other. But that could have been a touchdown. I won't say will have been would have been a touchdown, but it could have been a touchdown. Um, you know. So and there were some good moments like uh like okay where did Daniel Jones did add some points like hitting David Sills on that twenty four yard pass on third down that put that got them to where yeah. they could kick three points. But there was just too many times. Where he it left points off the board, like there was a know, fourth and one it, with better right? QB play. This this should have been a blowout, right? Uh, no, yes, especially the first two. You know, one of the things that we I'm did not, not saying talk Patrick about. Mahone, I'm not saying and people. I'm not saying top three quarterback in the NFL. I like that's another thing that bothers me is like people are like you know you should aim to have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I was like, well, no shit. Of course, we should all aim to have a be- the best three quarterbacks. In the NFL, but there's got to be some middle ground on quarterback evaluation. Yeah, um, but he didn't like he didn't play to like the second tier or the third tier level today. No, no, and he I think was... he's better than what we've seen these first two weeks too. No, absolutely, absolutely, he's 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 better than it. Um, but just hasn't been playing like it. I mean, that's just flat out the the truth right now. Um, one of the things that we did not talk about. I mean, we are on the offense, so 
Giants special teams and defense forced turnovers the first two drives. And the Giants have the ball at least inside the Panthers 30-yard line. And they only come three away with six points. They almost they and it's not not just, you know, they only come away with, you know, three points on each drive, but it's a three and out. And that's a really sour taste in the mouth because how many times did we see that under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, right? You get an opportunity that's granted by special teams or defense and you just squander it. Um, so that that was really, really bad to start out the game. And then especially when the Panthers tie it, it's like, ah, oh, shit. You know, we're, we're right back where we, you know, we're right back where we were, right back where we used to be. So, um, yeah, yeah, the, misses, critique- the misses were bad. The misses were really, really bad. And there, the one time that I really got infuriated and screamed during the game is when Daniel Jones missed Kadarius Tony on that crossing route. Yeah. Yeah, like you got to have that. Um, the one critique I'll have on the coaching staff is that second drive where they did get down, like David Sills had that first down on a uh, catch. I don't like, I hate the Wildcat. I just think, like, once you're in the 10 yard line, don't hit me with the cute stuff. They did that, and then they tried to do the misdirection QB power. Um, <clears throat> and that ended up being like a five yard loss. And then the next play is when Daniel Jones missed Sterling Shepard uh, on that play. So again, he just doesn't look comfortable, and I like I've never I've never said that about Daniel Jones in three years. There's been t- like there's been times like Daniel Jones looks bad, but it's never been like he l- doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't like he just this is a complicated offense, and I think he's maybe having some issues processing in it. But he just uh I don't know. But we're two and zero, so it, it it's a it you know winning winning heals wounds. So being two and zero and having this stuff figuring out right now, it feels a lot better than being zero and two. I want to get your thoughts on this. This offense, I think, whether by design or whether it's just by accident, this offense is asking Daniel Jones to make a lot of throws on the run. And I don't think Daniel Jones is a quarterback that should be routinely making plays on the run because I think he's a fine pocket passer. And I think his mobility is a strength when it comes from when he tucks it and he runs it. I mean, you saw that, you know, when he kind of clinched the game there, when he could take a knee on that first down, you know, just running up straight through the he middle of the field. escaped a lot. Escaped a lot, but I... When you're asking Daniel Jones to throw on the run a lot, I think that is not a winning formula. What do you think? Um, So you're talking about, like, on the bootleg plays? No. Well, not really on those. I mean, that, sometimes that's just simple, because then you got a guy in the flat... Or like in like that fourth and one play, I knew it was coming. Like I, you know, I had Ethan next to me, and I was like, "They're they're gonna run." Was it a third and one or fourth and one early in the game? Fourth and one. Fourth and one. So I'm like, they're gonna run. A, you know, they're gonna do play action. Then Daniel Jones is gonna take it himself and run. So I like those plays. I don't mind those plays. Jason Garrett actually ran those plays a lot. Um, but I'm talking about when he like breaks containment and he improvises and he just goes goes to his right because he's doing that a lot more this year than he ever has in the past. Yeah, and, and part, but part of that is like interior pressure is different than edge pressure, um, and I think that's part of it is the pressure is coming like immediately in front of his face. So, and again, that's not even where I'm criticizing. It's the times where there's time to make the throws and he's not making them. Yeah, you know. Also, can I say that bull crap on that offensive pass interference on the Kadarius Tony like thirty yard play? That's so annoying. Did you get to see a replay of that? No, and even the TV broadcast clip that you posted because it was Sills that got called for it, right? Yeah, it was a garbage call. I like David Sills, see. Was, it was it, it wasn't like some rub route at the you know two yards down the line. This it was well into the play, and David Sills is just running his route, and he runs into JC Horn, but JC Horn runs into him too. Like that was that was so annoying. They took a big play off off the board on that. Man. So, um, Giants only had one. 20 plus yard play today, and I think it was the 24 yarder to David Sills. That's yeah. it. 
yeah, that I think that was the only one. Um, so, hey, he's had some struggles, but we're two and zero. Get better, get, get better. better, and everyone, no one cares about how, no one will care about how you won week one and week two. But it's just, there's no hiding that he was, he did not, he has not played well these first two games. Yeah, Bobby, he hasn't wanna... played. He hasn't been disastrous, but he hasn't played well. Do you want to talk about one more thing before we talk about the rest of the offense? No, I want to talk about the interior offensive line because it goes hand-in-hand in in it, and then we'll talk about it. Um, It is an issue. And Andrew Thomas gave up two pressures. I gave a pressure up and a QB a hit. And part of me is like, "Uh," because I I just want him to be perfect all the time. (laughs) But it is nice to be in a spot with a player who's like, he gave up a pressure and a QB hit. Bad game. Bad game. It's like that's where we are with Andrew Thomas. He's human? Um, Evan Neal I thought was the second best offensive lineman but that's not much of a compliment because the interior I mean Mark you know we talked about with Glowinski Glowinski is an upgrade over what they've had but he's never been a good pass blocker like the best you could say about him as a pass blocker is average Feliciano was bad um, I think one of the defensive tackles had like four tackles for a loss it was crazy uh, Bredesen and Azuda were bad. They weren't as bad as they were week one facing Jeffrey Simmons but they were bad as well. They were rotating like every series too. <clears throat> So it's just the interior offensive line is it it is an issue, you know, and it does it does nuke plays. So it's just not they're just not good pass blockers up front. Like it's it's a, we're in a place where we want Shane Lemieux back um, desperately. Yeah. So they just I don't know how I just don't know how you fix that though. Like it's just but besides just say heck hey it's a rebuilding year Isn't, not everything's going to be fixed. What's the so the Bobby Johnson philosophy of pass blocking is it meant to help tackles or is it meant to help the interior offensive line? You 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 <clears throat> talked about this once and I and I forget. Um, it helps tackles not get beat inside, and it, it helps tackles not get beat inside really, or okay. or let pass rushers get huge momentum and killing. The tackles and it just helps you work as one, so it's a wall. But if you just get beat, you get beat. Yeah, like there's, it's not Bobby Johnson. You know the the whole you know uh, aggressive sets. Like if you just get beat, you get beat. Like those those are actually help guards better because they're not giving you any space between defense alignment. They're just getting flat out beat. Um, so that I mean that's just a flat out issue. Like so, like the O line report this week is it's not going to be fun. No. What's the approach? What's the what's the what's the first segment? Mm, probably just an Evan Neal segment. Evan Neal, okay. Yeah. Um, I got some other thing. I, I mean, I'm actually pretty interested to talk about uh, the 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 tight end room, and we got some other stuff to talk. We got to talk about Kenny Galladay, right? We got to talk about that. Gotta. <clears throat> the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking, and they spelled it like the way we spell talking. That's how you know what I'm talking about. Touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with uh, with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on, uh, on football anywhere else? I agree. To make things even sweeter... You can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game, once per game day, all season long. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, I want to talk about Kenny Galladay, but first, just a quick note on the tight end room. Uh, Tanner Hudson made two third down catches today. Big Tanner Hudson deck. And I think they like. I think it's like okay. Tanner Hudson's the third down tight end. Chris Myrick's the fullback. Two tight when they want to run two tight ends, and and Daniel Bellinger's like just their typical wide tight end. There was a drive where Tanner Hudson was in for the majority of the plays, and I think it was right before Daniel Bellinger scored a touchdown. Yeah, so. he yeah he converted a third down on on that play. Yeah, but like he, he was that, in that's for where he had that fifteen yard play. I mean, he was even like run blocking. Uh, like they had him like in line, and I know Tanner Hudson's not the best blocker, so I think it's a little bit more of a split. Like Tanner Hudson and Daniel Bellinger are like splitting reps. I think the Daniel Bellinger touchdown was just beautiful play design. They ran yep. a post wheel on one side. They motioned him from the backside, um, and it just left them wide open because well, Kenny had- Galladay and Richie James were clearing. You know, running just yeah. straight down the field, they it's, cleared a path. Just think about what a post route is and a wheel route is. In fact, this is the the Evan Ingram touchdown versus the Raiders last year. Was Evan Ingram was the wheel route? So you had three defenders for two. You had three for two. So K- Kenny Galladay runs the post. Uh, Richie James runs the wheel. There's two guys deep in the red zone. All three of those guys are covering that. But because Bellinger motioned in late, they're not uh, they're not thinking about that flats defend uh, flats receiver gets it and then just makes an awesome effort to die for it like yeah. that was an awesome effort i thought he was going to come up short on that but you know especially with the way the giants offense is like getting diving in and getting that is more important than you know you might realize in the moment yeah it beats 21 to the pylon there um this is two weeks in a row where uh mike kafka has called up a play that has gotten a skill position player wide open for a touchdown two weeks in a row you know, the, the big play to Shep last week and then inside the red zone this week to Daniel Bellinger. Huge well, stuff. Well, the Chris Myrick was, was wide open, too. And then Chris Smart. So there you go. Three. Three three touchdowns in the last two weeks. Um, So th- that was that was encouraging. I, I like the red zone offense. All right, let's talk about Kenny Galladay, and then we'll sure. close it out. How many snaps? Two snaps. Two. We talked about one of them. Yeah. Yeah, we just gave you a full breakdown of one of his two snaps. <laughs> Uh, the giant, you know, if who who has the best touch, you know, scoring percentage of snaps on the Giants this year, it's Kenny Galladay. So Brian Dable said after the game in his press conference that, like, he he went to talk to Kenny, you know, during the week of practice, and like told him like, hey, we're gonna go with David Sills, uh, and then Ryan Dunleavy after the game said Kenny Galladay was not in his locker room after his locker was empty after the 15 minute cooling off period for post game media. Now they don't use that. Those, those aren't their practice lockers. They're only game day lockers, so they don't just leave their stuff in. So, the, But basically, that tweet is saying like he didn't want to talk with media, and he dipped. I actually am not mad about it. Are you? Does that bother you? I know people are like, oh, take you know, take response. But he didn't play. So I... I no, I'm not mad about it. Because but, he's not... He's not... He's not a player on this team. Like, he's yeah, just not. so I can't, I'm not mad at him for not wanting to deal with that. I really am. Like, the whole face to music. Like, well, he didn't play. Um... But to get benched, I mean, he just got Kenny Galladay with the four-year, seventy-two million-dollar contract and year two of it got benched for David Sills. This is bad. Like, this is a bad situation with this. Like, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I'm not mad. Like, listen, he didn't play well last week. His camp wasn't great, so I can't be mad at the coaching staff. But this is bad that this guy is just. 
just got flat out benched for a game. Not like they rotated him in and he had 25 snaps and David Sills had 25. Like, they just flat out benched this guy. I mean, this is no offense to Richie James, who I love, and he's wide receiver one, leading the team in catches. No offense to him, but the Giants, I mean, this is Warren Sharp's dumb stat that he tweets out all the time. I think the Giants are spending the most money in, in the NFL in their wide receiver room. You can make a legitimate argument that right now the Giants have one of the worst wide receivers room in the wide receiver rooms in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean their main rotation because they're not playing Kadarius Tony and they're not playing Kenny Galladay. Tony did get like twenty five snaps today, so I was happy with that. Yeah. But their main their their three rep leaders were David Sills, Sterling Shepard, and Richie James. Like we expected that at some point this year, not with everybody healthy besides Wandale. So this. For this to be happening week two with 15 games left, I'm fascinated to see what happens next with this. Because there's this... you, And I don't, I wouldn't blame Kenny Galladay, too. There's no way he's just going to sit on the bench for the next 15 games and be quiet. There's no possible way. And again, we're talking about... like, I also think Kenny Galladay is a better wide receiver than David Sills. Like, I'm, I'm not happy with him, but I do think he's a better... But so... The, it's, but that's... Like, something's got to give with this, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things. I've never seen this before. I like, don't like I've the just, effort stuff, but it's just like his – I maybe it's the hip surgery. Like, he just hasn't looked the same since then. But yeah. he looked better. Like, so last year, with all the, the, the disappointing production, he looked like a good wide receiver out there. Just a touchdown yeah. never happened, and the offense was bad. And then when Daniel Jones went down, it was horrible. But, like, he – like, he averaged 53 yards per game last year with Daniel Jones, which isn't great numbers, but that comes out to, like, 900 yards uh, in a season. That's, um, I don't, I just don't know how this, how this works out. Yeah, and I'm not even, like, you know, obviously you're 2-0. and I'm not really complaining about it, but the Giants I'm not complaining pass- about Galladay not, sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm not complaining about Galladay not playing, but this is still, confusing. this is a, a wild scenario for this to be in this. Yeah, it's confusing, man. I, I don't really fully know what the what the end goal is here. I mean, Dable also talked about two, which I thought was interesting. What, you know, under the same breath that he said that, you know, he talked to Galladay that Sills is going to get the reps. I think every week is an evaluation. And he said that like Dable said, every week is an evaluation for these wide receivers. Um, and that's what I honestly think it is. But I also, I think that's Brian Dable's way of saying maybe besides Richie James, like none of these guys are One any, ship. and well, no, no I'm talk- let me finish my sentence. Besides Richie James, none of these guys are realistically even going to be on the roster after this year. Maybe David Sills. <laughs> Maybe David Sills. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. But I mean, I, the, the Giants' wide receiver room. When if you have a Kenny Galladay who can't move slash is not playing, and when you have Kadarius Tony who is the fourth option. The Giants' wide receiver room is one of the worst in the NFL. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Tough. Um, now, you can – wide receiver is a position where if you have a good scheme and better QB play, the wide – like, it's not as important. Um, you know, we saw what Daniel Jones was able to do his rookie year with a bad wide receiver room. But, yeah, this, it's, it's, the, I mean, you, what, what was that room? Let's Let's revisit that. Slayton, Shep, and Tate. I take that. No, that's what I'm saying. But <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. This is going to be an interesting week and next week on Monday night. Like, 
you get the national you you get the national stage and Kenny Galladay's playing four snaps. Yep, that's going to be a huge story. Like it's it's the Giants are two and zero right now, so it's it's not going to be talked about, and uh, we're happy. But that's I don't. It's like I'm not even mad. It's just it's just it's crazy that this is it's where bizarre. we are. You know, it's he bizarre. was with the first, and 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 we talk about well, guys need to be at practice. Kenny Galladay missed one practice the entire training camp. He was with the first team. Like he he had the most catches in practice of any wide receiver. So. I don't know what happens next, but it's going to be interesting. Um, we're going to close it out. How was the tailgate? Tailgate was super fun. Um, what was cool is a lot of Snacks' crew, they weren't necessarily there week one. There was a wedding. Snacks actually didn't. He came to the tailgate, left at 1130 to go to a wedding, <laughs> and he wanted to be at the wedding and at the venue so he can actually watch the game. What fucking friend has... A wedding on a Giants Sunday. The Giants home opener on Sunday. Terrible friend. Um, congratulations to, to Black Steve who got married. Neither here nor there. Tailgate was awesome. And it was still filled with a ton of people. Like El Jefe was there. Clem stopped by. Ethan was there. I'm sorry if I'm going to be forgetting somebody. There was a, you know, El Jefe. He has people in his videos. Carlos was there. Coach, a guy that looked exactly like Coach Dable was there. Um, who else? Uh, Wes, I, Wes Locke was there, of course. Chris Mickle was there. I met Chris Mickle for the first time. A bunch of people really came out. Jack Corderaro, um, he brought some friends, brought some buddies. Uh, I saw some friends from high school that came too. So it was a lot of fun. Gave a, uh, sold a lot of Talking Giants uh, tailgate crew shirts. Uh, Monday Night Football against Dallas is going to be our blackout game. Free food um, next week, Monday Night Football too, right? Yes, free food. So we're, we're, getting, a, we're getting a cater by the Candlewick Diner. That's going to be our first of two tailgates. That will get a catered by the Candlewick Diner. So the tailgate was awesome. Um, vibe was really, really cool. Stadium was packed early. Like the parking lots were were really getting packed. Um, long lines getting in. And then the stadium. The stadium itself was, I don't know how, it, I actually want to hear how it sounded on TV. And if you actually felt that at times, you know, maybe Baker Mayfield was being impacted by things calling up the line of scrimmage. It was loud on third downs. Good, good. It was loud on third downs. You know, uh, Wink Martindale told us to be loud on third downs and um, being one and oh and being involved in this game and winning this game um i think it's going to go a long way where the panthers aren't uh, a team you know they're an expansion team they're not a team that i feel like has a lot of fans that are in the tri-state area so it'll be a huge test next week when there's a bunch of you know there's there's going to be a lot of dallas fans there but it's just going to be a matter of how much and how can giants fans fill these seats and if we can show up and be loud so let's go three um, now the best culture that you can establish is a winning culture and when you win the fans are going to come back to MetLife Stadium, and that's already started. Uh, I'm very. I, I feel so good that we're two. Like I really, I feel so much better than I did last week. I really do. Julian, did we miss anything that you think How we should hit on in this? How do you feel? I feel amazing. I haven't felt this way about the Giants in forever. I mean, since 2016, obviously, but it feels like actually in ages ago. And I'm pumped for next week. I'm like. When I knew I was going to this week three game, it was like, cool, you know, never turned down an opportunity to go to a Giants game, but how exciting can it be in a lost season? But now that oh. we're 2-0 going into a Monday night football divisional game, like, I, I'm so pumped. Like, it's going to be amazing. This is also something, too. So Julian is coming up for the Monday night football game. He is going to vlog. He's going to vlog the tailgate. So act um, like a fool when he's around. Get it, get, want to get it all like on a camera. Fool. Act like, act like a fool. So grab some free food. Be part of the Talking Giants tailgate crew vlog. And um, let's go 3-0. Let's do it again next Sunday. 
Yeah, I want I want all the energy possible uh, whenever I've got my camera pointed at someone because I'm going to make a video. And when we win, I would imagine the vibes are going to be super high because, yeah, you said it, but like I, I haven't watched a Giants game on TV where I could feel the crowd was a part of it in a very, very long time. And you could tell how electric the stadium was. And I can only imagine it's going to be more so for a primetime game. I love it. I can't believe the Cowboys won today. Like, that blows my mind that the Bengals blew that. Um, That's the first thing I'm doing Monday morning is I'm actually – I'm going to watch that condensed version of that game and see what the hell happened. I'm kind of more curious to see what's happening with the Bengals more than anything rather than the Cowboys. So, But I'll do two birds, one stone. All right. So did did we miss anything that we should have talked about? No. Um Thanks, everybody, for always sticking with us, um, and hopefully it only gets better. That's leave a rating and review. Please, please leave, leave a us a rating and review. review. I w- I'm not going to ask you this until, like, like week 18, probably. Like, or you never know if we win. We're close to, we're close to 2,000. That would be cool to break 2,000. Yeah, let's get to 2,000, and let's let's be the number two football podcast um, in the nation tomorrow. So, all right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back. Uh, on Wednesday for a mailbag. You'll get your O-line report, film review, stat report, all that good stuff out this week. Um, So we'll be back Wednesday for mailbag. We'll put out a tweet Tuesday morning for you to ask your questions. We appreciate you guys. Happy Victory Monday. Happy being a Giants fan. It's all good. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.